This is Scott Fuller. You're listening to the Master of One podcast, and you can find me at thestudiotemporary.com. of the Master of One podcast, the podcast that can't be stopped. Part one this week, we talk about Player's Pride, Court of the Dead, and a discussion about separating the artist from the art. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So take a good look in your rearview mirror, because that's where all the bad feelings are. And dead things. every episode off by going around the table, which is where we talk about something new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. Luke, you look happy. Why don't you talk? I am happy. (laughs) 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 With a declaration like that, who could question it? (laughs) Yep. No, um, man, it's been been a rough (laughs) week. I've been helping my dad doing some framing. And it's like, it's actually like hot like the rest of the United States now in Ohio. So it's hot. It is not hot yet. It's hot. It was 80. It was 80 in Ohio. That's hot. Okay. Compared to always 30, 80 is hot. I agree, but I'm saying a month from now, this won't feel hot anymore. Well, maybe. 80 is like, that is, that is like nice. It's your first experience of hot this year is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you're saying, yeah. like, relatively, it is now hot. This will become natural, and this will feel great in sure, a couple of months. absolutely. You're right. Logically, you are right. But right now, Thanks. working outside in that is hot, and it sucks. Okay. okay. Um, other than that, man, so much stuff. There's so much cool <laughs> Haven't stuff. Haven't heard about any of it. Well, other it, than that, I have a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, pick one thing. Well, can I, I want to pick more than one. You can pick four things. Four things? Okay. I did this, but I meant, I said four. Okay. Well, here's one. Have you guys tried a hint yet? Have you ever had a hint? It's I like, like I feel like I have once. Hashtag not sponsored for the record. Uh, it's like Aus- water, but it has a hint of flavor. And Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's really good. I, but realistically, is it better than every other yes. water with a hint of flavor? Yes, because it's, it has. Nothing bad. Like it's, there's no um, MSG, no calories, no nuts, peanuts, soy, gluten, preservatives, like no artificial sugars, nothing. It's like all natural and it's really, it's just basically water with a hint of flavor. And that's super good. My dad good. drank water every day and got cancer. So I just don't know, okay. if, I don't know what to believe. But did he? I don't know. Where, I don't know where to go from here. But he also beat cancer. Right. So. That's true. And he was still drinking water, right? So He actually mm. stopped, and then and now he's... Well, oh. he, he didn't drink Hint. He, I was going to say, he started <laughs> drinking Hint. <laughs> no, uh, no, I've been trying to drink more water and cut out other things. So this is a really good alternative than uh, just straight water that tastes like nothing. Um, other than that, I started watching Cobra Kai. Have you guys started watching it yet? No. It's on no. YouTube Red. Well, I know the first two episodes are free on so, YouTube. It's so good. So good. Uh, it, Can it you just, wait to talk about it like for real, for real until like next week? Yeah, I'm just going to say okay. it's good. If you don't have yeah. YouTube Red, I would say it's worth paying for it for a month. Just sign up for a month and watch it and then you can cancel. But it's it's good enough to pay a month to watch it. Okay. Um, the other thing is board games. Uh been playing a lot of board games. I got uh, Clank and the new Mummy, uh, Curse of the Mummy expansion. Uh, I'm excited had to play that. Had you not had Clank up to that point? I hadn't had it up to there. Yep. Oh. Um, and then, now we all three have it. And now I'm, and then I also, we're going to start in a couple days, we're going to start Charter Stone, which is uh, the Stonemeyer Games legacy game. Um, excited for that. And. Uh, God of War is really, really good. I'm almost done with it, and it's super, super good. 
that's worth buying a PS4 just to play that game. I like seriously. It's so so good. Uh, other than that, that's it. Okay. Done. okay. Who you that was four things. To? That was four things. Good good job. Uh, Patrick has a face. Andrew yeah, should talk. Uh, for so there's, radio. <laughs> there's two things um, I can talk. Well, that's I don't think it's funny. I just wanted to let there be dead air for a second so you could hear no one laughing at your joke. Hope yeah. you enjoyed it, Andrew. Yeah. Listen, to be fair, we can never hear anyone laughing at our jokes. Well, there you go. Um, so You're being a real one, friend right now. <laughs> uh, that's a throwback. So Dan McLaughlin, I don't know if you're aware of him. This is uh, There was something called... Uh, the Dan brother. plan. And uh, the idea was that a guy quit his job and uh, he decided that he was going to put 10,000 hours into playing golf. He didn't have a background playing golf. He had, you know, he read the uh, Malcolm McDowell book Outliers, which states that those that are professional have invested like 10,000 hours into the thing that they're doing. Sure. And uh, so he decided, well, fine, I don't really know much about golf. I don't play that much. So I'll just quit my job and play golf invest 10,000 hours and try to be a pro. And, um, and that's what he did. So he, uh, he contacted, um, actually uh, the guy from the university that Malcolm McDowell cited and, um, he started working towards it. And, uh, he, over the course of the first, uh, 5,000 hours or so, he actually got into the, uh, the top 6%, uh, of golfers for his, um, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I don't play golf. So I don't know if it's like your your average par or whatever the terminology is. I'm not the guy. Uh, I know it's top 6% because I'm good with that number. I can remember that number. It doesn't matter the rest. The point is he got good. Pretty good. So 5,000 hours invested. And he was keeping a blog of this as this was going on. This was for several years. And he got to 6,003 hours before he messed up his back and had to stop. So he had to end up quitting his 6,000 hours. Um, that being said, looking back on it, you can still go through and you can read the blog and I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Uh, the Atlantic did a great article on Dan and, uh, but it's very interesting. The idea that you, you don't have to be, you don't have to be born with something, you know, sure. that, that, you know, mastery at something is in, in a large part, because of your uh, desire to be a master at something and to pursue something unrelentingly. Now there are some other notes. And again, the Atlantic article teases this and there's more resources you can look at, uh, especially linking from Dan's blog. There are some other notes that passion plays a part. I mean, Dan chose golf because your physique didn't really matter a lot and he could, you know, uh, jump in and start. And uh, even though he's a newbie, but just imagine if it had been something that he was just like, you know, you're going to have to drag me off the course. I love playing so much. So passion plays a part. But then also he got injured. He, he got knocked out after 6,000 hours. So certainly there is a level of, I don't know if luck is the word, but uh, of being able to survive long enough to accumulate that. And then also time spent. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, does someone have 10 years of work experience or one year of experience 10 times? But the idea is that, just accumulating a bunch of hours doesn't get you somewhere. You you have to put time in, but the time has to be directed. It has to be intentional and has to be all those things. And so in his story, you kind of learn how the first year or year and a half was actually really unfocused with the way he was. It, his, his approach was focused to him, but when it comes to actually like pushing yourself to get better, it was actually a very bad approach. It wasn't until later that he brought on some actual teachers and, and trainers and stuff like that. So anyway, all of it's really, really fascinating. Uh, again, his name's Dan McLaughlin, uh, the Dan plan, and uh, just just go check it out. I think so, it's a, a really cool study. That's an interesting idea because it kind of, if you boil it down, maybe, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, but it's the idea of like you can tell your kids they can be anything, right? If they put enough yes. time. But what about like – if they just don't have a good voice or they're just really just yeah. not good at football. Like I don't think if you're not good at football, you'll never make it as a golfer. <laughs> no, but so, like, I, like I think that's a, it's a, a, another side. The other side of that is like, you still have to have some sort of talent uh, in, in there are certain things where you have to have a certain talent or you can't, 
be good at it. Well, that's what's being challenged. Uh, in <clears throat> fact, there is another uh, person. His name is uh, uh, Laszlo Polgar, and um, he did something. Um, he's a chess master, and he is of the opinion that mastery is not an innate ability. Mastery is determination. Mastery is a decision and a pursuit. And so what he did is he decided, um, pre-decided that his daughter was going to be a chess master. That's what he decided. And he started training her from an early age to be a chess master. And she ended up being a chess prodigy. And so he was just trying to say that, you know, when we think about prodigies, we think about, Man, that's lucky for that parent, or that's lucky for that kid. They just happened to be one in a million, right. or whatever. And he said, "No, I'm. I'm not going to just." He said, "I'm going to make my kid a prodigy," and his kid ended up being a prodigy. So that's a very good story to look up as well. Just uh, look up the Grandmaster Experiment, and there's a right. good psychology but today. I, I still, I still go back to there are certain things that require a and a a level of aptitude. That you Height can't, is preferable on a basketball court, but there are short basketball players. It's not. It's not about that. You still have to be able to dribble and shoot if you're not tall. But the point is, <laughs> invest the time into it. You can get there. Like that's the idea. It's it, saying. But that, I don't agree with that because you can't. There's some people that just aren't good singers. Even if they take the time and have training and training and training, they still don't have an ear. They're they not. Might, they're still they not going to be a be master. De- tone deaf. <clears throat> yeah, they could sing, but they're not going to be a master. I don't maybe, think mastery. I think you can put time in and be good at something to be acceptable or passable. But I don't think mastery is something in certain things that you can just achieve by putting the time in. And that is what this tests. And so the um, the psychologist that uh, Dan worked with, what he's wanting to do is get funding because having one person pursuing this is not enough to answer the question. Right. Right. So he's hoping he's wanting to get funding where he can have several Dan's in several different different areas do the same thing. Actually focus solely on one thing for several years, starting at a zero point, trying to accomplish, um, you know, in his case, what would have been being a pro golfer. But it could be in a different arena. Um, I I don't I certainly there are um, there are things that give people um, how do I say this um, I, I you know I said like a height on a basketball court that is an advantage the same way that you could argue in singing that the that the ability to um, I don't know like hear pitch a certain way is an advantage. You know, it, it's it's no different. Certainly there are things that give people advantages, like biological advantages. It, it could even be like a personality type or an emotional type that just that makes more sense for one area than another area. But uh, the question again is 10,000 hours with uh, the proper training, the proper approach. Uh, can you hit that level of mastery? And uh, I I tend to lean in the camp that it's possible with nearly anything. I think the hardest part for that, <clears throat> sorry, to make a saying someone invested a lot of time. Again, it's not the same as someone having the, the intentional time and the right teacher and like pushing the correct direction. Sure. It, so I, I think the problem that will stem or the, the problem for like any scientific <laughs> study is how do you know that you're getting the same baseline for the starting people? Because depending on what you're picking as your, pursuit certain people i mean they all have to start at the same place or it's really hard to know who actually excels like if i if i'm thinking <clears throat> musically for just for instance musically and it's like if just go back to vocals you have to know that that person has never had the ability to sing or a natural bent towards singing to be able to start at the same baseline as other people you know, it's it's how do you find if you're doing 20 people, those 20 people that have never sang or never like, how do you know that they don't have that and that just have never tried or have never like people yeah, have those know. abilities so without I, trying and they don't realize it until they try it. You know what I mean? You know, I, have, I have two thoughts. So uh, in one, well, I have three thoughts. Um, one is more of an anecdote, and that's with me uh, playing drums. I had a lot of a natural ability initially. There is a point where, like, natural ability le- leaves, 
And there is a point where you have to push beyond. And I sure. think less of an anecdote and more of a real a real scenario. Hiking the Appalachian Trail. Regard so there was a there was a study done where they actually looked at hikers um, of all different um, uh, like body build, physique, like uh, you know, athletic level, all these type of things, uh, and then across gender, age, whatever. And they said, uh, and they looked at their starting. So for the, not just starting, they looked at them for the entire time hiking the AT and they uh, looked at their performance. And one of the main indicators of performance was miles per day that you hiked. And what they said is regardless of where you started, okay, whether you started as an, you know, an Olympic athlete or you started as like a 350 pound morbidly obese, whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Regardless of where you started within six weeks, everyone had the same average mile per day within six weeks. And, uh, and so the idea there is that yes, you can have a lot of ability, you can have a lot of training, you can have a lot of, a lot of whatever. Um, but you just, you hit a point and, and now part of it has to do with the, the type of activity this is that it, it normalizes it. But again, I, I just think that I think there is absolutely such a thing of, of having a natural bent towards something or having like a, a natural gift or talent. I do think there is a point in progression where your talent is no your natural ability is no longer benefiting you. And it is now the time that you've invested that's benefiting you. And that's something that I personally have experienced. So that that's just like my opinion uh, 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 about the scenario. Now, in any case. Whether it's true or not true or whether, you know, you ultimately have to be born with it or if it's Maybelline or whatever, it doesn't matter. (laughs) With anything, it's not going to be handed to you. You're not just going to like, I'm going to sit on my couch and do nothing and oh, oh shoot, man, it looks, turns out I'm a prodigy in this thing over here. I didn't even realize it. That's not going to happen. With anything, it is your effort, intentionality, putting time in, whatever. Uh, Even if it's uncovering or honing natural ability, you still have to put the time in, the effort, the, the, all those type of things. So if you want to do something, just do it. Mm-hmm. Put time into it. I mean, I think that's the really simple thing. Things aren't off limits just because you're 35 years old and you've never tried it before. That doesn't mean it's like for the rest of your life you can't mess with that sure. thing now. It's sure. not yours. So, um, But I believe that if you gave me 10,000 hours in a pickleball racket, I could be a champion. I'm going to go and say that right now. So if anybody would like to invest in me, there's a college that wants to use me as a guinea pig, I'm available. Why can't you just do it? Why can't you just put 10,000 hours in? I have a job and a family. Just off time. I have a podcast that I do. Now, we'll let you. Besides this? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Anyway, so Dan McLaughlin, look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Andrew. I love the idea that it's possible that maybe it's just Maybelline. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's fully possible. Um, okay, so a uh, couple things I'm going to rapid fire through. Uh, I ordered from uh, Nikki Davis. You guys familiar with Nikki Davis? Mm-hmm. He's an artist. Uh, he's a uh, an a Houston based artist. Houston, and uh, he put up on his on his Instagram that he had mugs, some fun mugs that he designed that he was he was giving away. Through his shop, you just had to go get one and then pay for shipping. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. Um, so here's the mug. I'm going to show it. Hey. That, that's just kind of his signature character. And uh, it says, I need coffee. That's cool. So he, se- he sent me this, and it was free. I mean, I paid whatever it was, a few dollars for shipping. But he also sent this and tucked it in there with it, which is a limited edition, massive limited edition. Look uh, at that. Pin. Dang, that's huge. It's like right. It's a variant. It's like two and a half inches, maybe closer to three inch pin. Holy cow! Um, you can still get this pin on his shop, but he that's sent it to me for enamel, free. Soft enamel, right? It's soft enamel. Yeah, that it's, purple uh, looks good. It's really, it's really cool. So thank you, Nikki. I think, I think we might have him on the show sometime in the near future. Uh, I can't remember if I have already scheduled him or not. I probably should have asked Patrick prior to starting, but that's okay. Um, but if he's not scheduled, I think we will. I think we'll probably talk to him sometime in the future because he's a really rad artist. He does um, like graffiti art as well as toys, as well as traditional um, like stuff. So I think uh, we we will we'll hopefully talk to him. So that's one thing. Uh, these are these guys that I got a couple weeks ago out of the box. I finally I finally unboxed them. Yeah, and they look great. I'm trying that to get sheen the is so nice. That finish. They're just. 
they're just good. Like I'm really, really happy with with these figures. They're really great. And then um, I got these guys a couple of weeks ago as well, but haven't had an opportunity to show them yet. Um, the Cuphead and Mugman Pop vinyls. They were really hard to find in my area. Um, they really? sold out really quickly, and uh, even to the point where GameStop wasn't able to reorder them. They couldn't order them even from their from their distributor. Um, but I happened to find the pair of them at uh, my local comic book shop, and the paint job on them is great. So like that worked out. You know, really well. Give it up to to Pop for making all their stuff. The the finish, the quality is really great for the price point. Oh yeah. And the price Ex point is really great. Exponentially better than where they used to be. If you go back and listen to some of our early shows, you heard us all griping about the quality of Funko stuff, but where it where it is now, when you consider the sheer volume that they're creating and then on top of that the the quality control is is exponentially higher than where it used to be. I, I'm 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 continuing to be impressed. I mean, if if you like a uh, you know, there's a license or a property you like, Funko probably has it, and that is such a nice thing. Like, uh, yes, they're not the the same. They're not the designer toys we talk about, but man, I, I think they're great. Yeah, and then here's the other thing. Um, I've been playing. Uh, I was gonna pull it up. I don't need to pull it up, but I've been playing Celeste on the Switch. Oh yeah, what do you think? Um, I love it. Have you played it? I haven't Luke? played it yet. I love it. It's it's challenging. It's it's fun. We heard about this first uh, from Bethany Heck at Creative South. I don't think that episode's aired yet, but um, you'll hear her talk about it in a few weeks, probably in one of our hot seat interviews. Um, but uh, went home, downloaded it. It's an eight bit mountain climbing platformer uh, where the protagonist uh, and ironically the antagonist are both the same girl, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's it's a split personality deal. Um, and she's fighting like the worst parts of her. It's a really, really the it's a unique story for a platformer type game, given that it's an 8-bit style game. It's a platformer, but it deals with real world issues like depression and anxiety and these crazy undertones of, of real life situations um, worked into the story arc. Um, but it's very, very cool. The the illustration, there's some illustri uh, illustrative work inside of it as well. The characters, beyond being 8-bit, when it shows like still frames of them and various things, they're illustrated, and I love it. Like I'm hoping to – I haven't like Google searched to see if I could find images of them, but I, I want to draw them because they look really, really cool. So if you have a Switch, I think it's $20 on the Nintendo eShop. Um, well worth it. It's an 8-level like platformer. Um, and it's eight bit, but it, you like learn skills, and you by the, the the further you go along, you have to apply all of those skills to beat these puzzles in these platformer areas. And you're making your way through this this mountain that has uh, kind of unique um, elemental uh, attributes to it. It's really it's really really neat. Um, I think I'm looking around. I'm going to see uh, Infinity War again tomorrow. Nice. I'm excited for that. Uh, we recorded like a whole set. We should say this. We <laughs> recorded a whole secondary, like a part two yeah. uh, of our Infinity War discussion. So if you listen to Tuesday's episode, uh, last Tuesday's episode, you heard our, our re full review of uh, Infinity War. Well, Zach Wilkinson, who was on the show with us as our guest, invited us on to his show as his guest Creatoring. to do a part two. How, how did my list play? Fine. Not it, it, it. Yours was pretty well on par with mine and Zach's, honestly. Okay. Luke's was a bit of the wild card. So go listen to that episode. Uh, I think it's live now. We'll put the we'll put the link to that in the show notes. I think I because, couldn't be there because it was my anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Patrick still contributed I, to the I conversation. Still contributed. Mm -hmm. But it was another hour and twenty minute conversation. Like no Hold joke, it was a ton of. Infinity War. So yeah. I am uh, I'm excited to go see it again. I don't want to talk about it anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's it for my week. So I guess we'll call that the end of the Around the Table. Up next, we're going to talk about some master categories. 
Our master category portion of the show is when we get to talk about the tokens we drew the week before, and that gives us our category. We pick our topics based on our category, and that's how this whole thing works. If you're new to us, that's it. If you're old to us, that's then that was pretty it. quick, and it didn't take up hey, a ton of time, so I think case, we're fine. Don't try to change us. We're fine the way we are. Yeah. yeah. We don't try need to change your... Patrick a little, though. Just a little like, bit. Like a little. <laughs> um, hmm. I'll Who go. goes first? I'm going to give it to Patrick. Is that okay, Luke? Yeah. Thanks. This Perfect. week I have toys and games, and I think the, the discussion is a natural one. That's because we yeah. have a Kickstarter going on. But if you don't capitalize on it this week, then you'll have to do it later because the Kickstarter will be over, and you're going to miss out on all the Kickstarter exclusives. <laughs> if you I don't mean, capitalize on it, then you'll just have to capitalize on it later. <laughs> well, because you can still get the game later, but you're going to miss the Kickstarter exclusives. So you want to get it now. So this game... Initially, they were trying. It's like every you'll other have Kickstarter a week. game. You have about a week from from if you're listening on release day, you'll have ten days roughly. Yeah. Can so, I, before before you get into this, can I hijack one thing? Because Luke yes. asked me a question right before we started, um, and I never. I said I'll answer that in a second, and I never did. But I think it's worthy of of talking about. He asked me if I backed this game you're getting ready to talk about, and I said no, not yet, because I have seven games that are in the pipeline that I'm waiting for for Kickstarter that I've backed. And he asked what games those were, so I'm just going to give you a quick, uh, just a quick deal. Yeah, do it. I have backed. Oh my gosh, it's making me verify. On eh, there we go on Kickstarter. <laughs> um, I backed Crypt. Chronicles of Crime, Deadwood 1876, Dice Throne Season 2, Space Park, Spirits of the Forest, Kill the Unicorns, and Monster Slaughter. Hmm. Okay. All of those games I will get by December of this year. Monster's Laughter. Monster's Laughter, yeah. So anyway, those are the games that I've backed. I've so backed not this one. Wait, do you want to hear mine? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I've backed. You're the master of toys and games. I've backed like I am right Wander. Now. Human Era, uh, Wander, the Cult of Barnacle Bay, Human Era, Spirits of the Forest, Space Park, Deadwood, 1876, uh, Crypt, Fireball Island, and Patrick, what's the other one I backed? Wait, you did get Fireball Island? Yeah. We'll talk about it later. The one I'm about to talk about, which means you are tied at eight, but the one I'm talking about is Court of the Dead, Warner's yeah, Call. So. The deal is normally, well, I say normally, a lot of times when we talk about Kickstarter games, we're talking about them right as they're finishing, and we never get you a chance to get it. You have the chance to actually get it this time, but they originally set out to raise $75,000. they are actually at $210,000, so they only, of their initial stretch goals, they laid out. They only have two stretch goals left, and then hopefully they'll roll out a few more, but it looks like they're, they're pretty easily going to exceed all of their stretch goals. But the idea of Court of the Dead... Um, is that it's the underworld and you're trying to unite the underworld together while at the same time fulfilling your ulterior motives. So you're trying to win influence and earn trust from factions, uh, again, working together as a cooperative game, but also fulfilling the ulterior motive that you have. Uh, and, uh, and then certainly there's a, a lot of different, uh, you know, coins and gems and things that, that you use. The, the setup itself and miniatures. is is very, very cool. But mm -hmm. the big thing, which Luke is, is throwing out there, Sorry. is the miniatures. So, um, and, and it really should be no surprise given who's involved. So this game is, it's Project Raygun, and it's in association with um, uh, USAopoly, and then also Sideshow. Mortar's Call is Sideshow's, um, it's their first IP, IP yeah. right? And, um, and so the miniatures in this game, and some of them are, are getting a little big to be called miniatures. The, the detail, well, I don't think they call them bigatures, though. <laughs> well, fair. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the, the largest ones are over three inches tall. Um, so it's not like these little bitty, like, Monopoly game pieces or something like that. Like, these are, these are large. And the, the sculpt on them, the detail in the sculpt, all the renders that we've seen. And, and then, of course, people are doing playthroughs, so we're getting to see some of the figures mm -hmm. or some of the miniatures. They look really, really good. Now, as these stretch goals are being fulfilled, they include more miniatures. And so if we fulfill these last two, we get another one. Um, the tokens themselves are metal tokens. Um, and then part of the stretch goals is some of the markers. They're also moving to metal tokens, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. marble dice, which is which is really nice. The Ethereum the pieces, cool. yeah, the 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 blue like ocean looking marble, um, the Ethereum pieces, which are like it's like the gem looking material. I don't know if it's like a, uh, I don't know what the material is. 
uh, I want to say polycarbonate, but I don't know that that's what it is. Sure. But that's that comes off the tongue nicely. It feels right. I can promise you no one's going to cross-reference it right this second. Hey, that, well, that's good to we'll know. I promise we'll hear about it in Discord, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, Thanks, any, just go and s- start correcting me now. Absolutely. So anyway, the game itself is uh, is really nice. Now, the the artwork, the illustrations, again, it's something that that uh, obviously a lot of detail has been put in. I will say it is not my style. It reminds me a lot. And part of it is because of the map layout of the actual board. And let me just say, by the way, the board is huge. It's a 24 by 36 board. It's huge. What? Yeah. This is gigantic. It's going to take up every bit of your table. And some of the cards are oversized cards as well. So it might feel- I'll only be able to play that in my conversion van. Well, I, I so a part of me is thinking with the twenty four by thirty six board and the oversized cards, you're gonna feel a little bit like Matt Damon in his new film, like sitting <laughs> there trying to play the game. It's gonna be like Honey, I uh, Shrunk the Kids or something. But um, that, Matt Damon wasn't in that film. No, I know, but you that understand the reference because we're that smart, and you're the only one that saw Master it. It's a dumb film. film, everybody. I'm not gonna go watch it. I don't want to see that film. Downsizing. So anyway, Downsizing. Yeah, that's a fantastic film. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not fun. good. It's okay. But the artwork reminds me a lot of the the, the Warcraft in-game um, illustrations. Yeah. I, very, yeah. very similar. Magic the Gathering. And especially when you look yeah. at the layout of the game board, there's actually a specific dungeon experience from Warcraft that it looks almost identical to. Sure. And um, and so because of that, that that's all I'm seeing. Wait, are you talking about Nax? I'm not talking about Nax. Nax Redbeard. What one? I can't. It's the uh, first dungeon for the um, for the last expansion, and I can't remember the name of it. It's uh, one of the early dungeons you can go through. Catch oh, shipwreck you fever! To, you have to do the perimeter, and then you have to go oh. through where the ice is falling and like avoid it. And yep. I can't remember the name of that dungeon. Perimafreeze. Perimafreeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure it out and then won't tell anybody. Except I'll text Luke later and tell him because he's the only, only one that'll care. care. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the artwork's nice. I don't care for the style of the artwork. Uh, but it all does fit together. Like every yeah. nothing feels mismatched. So anyway, really enjoy the game. Now, Luke and uh, Luke, you've backed the game. I have backed it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's going to play. It seems like a mix between. Do you guys remember Abyss, the game we played? Yes. A couple years ago where you have yeah. uh, you're, you're gaining influence also and you're bringing certain uh, political figures to a court. And uh, trying to have the most victory points at the end. It seems like yeah. there's some elements of that and a couple other elements of other games kind of mashed, mashed together. Uh, it's going to be great. And and Sideshow will put their stamp of excellence on it like they do everything else. Project Raygun, from everything we've seen from them, is great. USAopoly, they handle license super well. I mean, with... So Project Raygun and USAopoly are, are the ones who put out the thing yep. with... Uh, but they also, uh, they also did um, that the Heroes of the Storm version of Bang that we played. Um, do you remember? I, I, did we I did play not that? play a Heroes of the Storm version of that game. Okay, well, we I have one, and it's yeah. it's great. It looks great, feels great. It's all uh, you know Blizzard IP. Um, yeah, I mean, Court of the Dead, I love it. I remember seeing Andrew and I saw their Court of the Dead s- statues. Yeah, at uh, Comic Con, uh, and that was the after right after we had talked to David Igo on the show. Right, that was years ago now. Um, yeah, it's so like creepy and fantasy, like magic filled, but also like this bent towards like just underworld. Yeah, uh, horror underworld. It feels so like H.R. Uh, Geiger. Like yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I, so, and the point that you're making with that is that. It's it's gonna they're gonna fulfill their promise. Yeah, it's gonna be a well done game. It's mm-hmm. gonna be great quality. You're gonna get exactly what you see. You don't need to worry about like what if they. It's not gonna fail as far as that goes. Now no. the gameplay is obviously it's you know you hopefully you enjoy the gameplay sure. and you enjoy this style of game. But from the production standpoint, from meeting you know all the promises they set out to fulfill, that's a given. It's going to do that. Yeah. So what's um, the what's the gameplay time? Does it has it. Uh, what I've read is 90 minutes. That's what some of the reviewers have been saying. That so have it's a dollar like a minute. 
<laughs> yeah. So I, I will say this. It is not a cheap game, but you're getting these big you know miniatures, what? It's, the it's large board. It's pretty standard for all of these, for, for the games that have this much in them. And it's actually decently cheap compared to some other ones. So really? There's some other ones that have the same level of detail and pieces. That'll hit at like a 130, 140 price range. Exactly. I mean, this now, is... Now, you have to keep in mind, there's a 16, 16 or $13 shipping yeah. for this. So you're really it's paying... It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're but you're pay, you're paying over a hundred dollars. Yeah, just over. So but. well, there you go. So that's it for me. I'm sitting here trying to look up the name of that dungeon, and I'm failing right now. So <laughs> in the meantime, I'll go ahead and throw it to Luke. Sure, that's fine. I had art and design, and would you know? I'm going to talk about Kickstarter also. Um, so we all know the saga of the pin game for me, right? I did a complete 180 from the. You hate them and now you love them, and I can't keep track. Listen, I'm fine with them. I don't know about love them, but I I do love. Let people like things, right? Let people enjoy things. Yes, for sure. Well, Um, why why didn't you just let me have what I said instead of changing it? (laughs) I don't think you really would have enjoyed it knowing you were wrong. (laughs) Um, There you go. uh, So, one thing I do love more than pins is role playing games. And. I found a a pin that it's a I'll send you guys a link right now just because I realized I hadn't done that yet so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Um it is a pin through Kickstarter. It was funded through Kickstarter. It's already over. Sorry, you can't do it. But these will probably I'm sure they'll sell them on their store. Um this uh company is called Lady of the Lake and they did a a D20 with some like banner script that says an elegant weapon for the modern hero. And it's just, a, it's an, a soft enamel pin. Uh, that's just a D 20 with the, the 20 in the forefront and just text. Um, but it was funded through Kickstarter. And I thought that was a really interesting way to do a kind of like art piece or, or pin or some, some sort of thing. That's not a, uh, like a, clothing or a game or an it's just like, merch it's just merch yeah. And, yeah and that's not normally what we see on kickstarter it's whether it's an album or a movie or a, a board game a video game like a a clothing line or or a book or something like that this is just it's merch it's it's the equivalent of like funding a poster it feels like it's it could be equated the same yeah. way and more than anything, it's it's cool. It hits me like for all the right reasons on just the IP and the property it's re- referring to, and and the design is great. I'm excited about that. But the the idea of that you can fund your merch sales through Kickstarter, um, it feels like it maybe a new way to think about how Kickstarter can be used. Because honestly, now it's been out for a while, and it's it's pretty saturated with books, board games, and video games. Those are the three main things that are made on Kickstarter now. Um, movies somewhat, albums somewhat, but for the most part, it's it's a, it's a board game or a book or a video game. Um, what do you guys think about this idea of, of essentially, like you said, Andrew, selling merch through a crowds, crowdfunded, crowdsourced kind of platform? I don't hate it. Um... It's definitely a way to test the market before you, you before you jump in. You know, uh, to me, there, there's there's two components at least to me. One is, yeah, it, it's it's a safe bet, right? The other thing is sometimes you don't know what like sometimes the maybe the market at large isn't isn't gonna buy into what you're doing. But getting it in the hands of the the few and the proud who will share it and and love it and whatever, maybe it's worth it to just do a you know to do it. So I can I kind of go both ways with it, but I'm I'm of the mindset, maybe generally speaking, that why not? You know, it seems it, worst case scenario is they don't get funded and they still order a batch anyway. You know? Sure, right, yeah, I- yeah. I mean, I would say you might want to be one of the earlier people to jump on board. I I can't help but to imagine if everybody starts throwing their merch on the Kickstarter that the saturation will cause Kickstarter to do sure. something to slow it down or prevent it. But then yeah, you're also going to be waiting for a long period of time for your merch and 
we're already in a world where pre-orders are taking over and the immediate satisfaction of spending your money and then waiting months to get it is almost it, too frustrating. But it's audience. I mean, when you when you make something, you throw it on your Instagram, your people are going to hopefully see it. Their algorithm may prevent that. Sure. Your people will hopefully see it. Maybe someone will share it, maybe not, but the people on Instagram aren't necessarily wanting to buy something right now. Mm -hmm. They might just want to look at cat pictures for the day. And you can throw it onto other marketplaces, but again, is it a good fit? Is it not? Whatever. If you put it on Kickstarter, people are on Kickstarter because they are looking to purchase something. Right. And there are there aren't a I mean, there are a lot of products, but in the same way, there's not a level of saturation with products where it's like impossible to like browse effectively. Like I think you still feel like you can sit down and make it through what's available in a given category. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, you open yourself and it's so, it's so in the case of this, it's so inexpensive that, uh, it, it, this seems like a really, it right now, it seems like a very smart thing. Sure. If a bunch of people start doing it, I don't think it will be, but I think right now it seems like a very smart thing. Right. People are jumping onto, to Kickstarter, with the intent to buy, they're also jumping on Kickstarter with the understanding that they're going to wait. What I'm saying is if, if everyone jumps on, I think it's what you're saying, but my, the added component to it is if everybody jumps on and start doing their, starts doing their merch this way, people are just going to get frustrated because people want to be able to purchase something and own it and have it in a short amount of time. Like that, sure. the, the idea of shorthand commerce is that's what we want, right? Right. Um, we, we are okay to – we concede to the idea of, of delayed gratification when it's something we really want and even then only in small batches. Like the idea – like you were saying before about your game you know, that, you, uh, that you were talking about, Patrick, and Luke asked why – I don't know if you asked, but here's why I didn't back it. I didn't back it because I, I am at capacity – mentally not even financially although financially i'm sure i am at capacity too i'm at capacity mentally for how many things on kickstarter i have contributed to and the money is gone from my account and from my pocket and i don't have to to actually enjoy you have nothing to show and, for it right now right with nothing to show for it it would have to be something super super meaningful to me to pull the trigger again right now until i get some of the things in and feel like okay yes this is worth it <laughs> because mentally i've i've spent i've spent my my share i don't know sure. i don't know the word right, to say right. that, um yeah and, and i i see that and i agree and i, I think that's why this is so interesting to me because on one hand, I, I think it's a slippery slope, like we've said. Mm -hmm. If people start seeing this, it, it will definitely flood the market. But on this, at the same time, we talk to a lot of people day in and day out, people, whether they're in our Discord or people we see post on Instagram about, hey, I have these available. If, if anybody wants some, you know, link in bio, whatever. Like, I wonder what would happen if some of those those freelancers or those content creators that are looking to get their stuff out there just decided to say, hey, I have a new uh, a new sticker pack or a new pin or a new uh, poster. Why don't I just try and start a Kickstarter and just put it out for 30 days, say, you know, here's what it is. And then stretch goals are just other uh, other things that you've created in the same vein. Or maybe you can upgrade your paper or your your print type or like this might be another way that maybe people haven't thought of to get themselves out there to a broader audience. Because like we've said, people are on Kickstarter to, to spend money and they're going to spend money on auxiliary things from the thing mm -hmm. that they're normally buying on Kickstarter. If they see she games, yeah. they're going to see, Oh, this, you know, role, like the way this was marketed was an elegant jewel for role players. And I was, you know, I found it because it, it linked up with my, other buying habits on Kickstarter. And I was like, and Oh keywords yeah, and, done. Yeah. I'll buy it. Cause so, it was, it was $9 or $11 or something like I would love to talk to Jamie Stegmeier and talk to the, the crew from Keymaster and see what their, their thoughts are because they are, they are well versed in the world sure. of Kickstarter sure. and see what their thoughts are. If this is, if they feel like this 
if this affects positively, negatively, or is just a wash what they are trying to do in the industry they're trying well, to do. Well, we've already heard that, you know, Stonemeyer Games is not doing Kickstarter anymore. They've decided to to go, you know, private distribution and and handle it themselves. Sure, but I just mean in general because they have a deep understanding of sure. the the platform. Yeah. So but that's it. I thought it was interesting. I'm excited about the pin. Uh, you know, if you can you find our first link, Kickstarter project next week. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah, if you send me a link to anything RPG related on Kickstarter, chances are I'm in. So and he'll buy it. Yeah. Uh, I think that just leaves Andrew. Yeah. Let me take it to the uh, optometrist, a heavier conversation. Yeah. The optometrist, a heavier conversation. Um, so this is a thought that I've, I've been struggling with these past couple months, honestly, since all of the, um, I guess it's the Me Too movement has has arisen or or whatever, um, but it's this idea of separating the art from the artist. Um, all of this coming on the heels. This is reinvigorated in my mind because of as of record date today is the day that the um, that the Academy of I'm gonna, let me get their name right. Um, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, sciences, not scientists, <laughs> um, they have uh, uh, effectively and officially expelled Bill Cosby and Ronan Polanski from Roman Polanski from their uh, membership. Um, and this uh, obviously on the heels yesterday, if uh, on release day or two days ago on release day, um, Bill Cosby was convicted of three counts of harassment and could spend up to 10 years in jail for each count of that. So a lot of people are speculating and saying that, uh, Bill Cosby could potentially die in jail. Um, and Bill Cosby is an, an actor, a comedian that for the longest time up until this, these allegations, what a year or two ago, year and a half ago, um, that I highly respected. I love his work. Um, and his work has become a staple and a mainstay, even in my dialogue. Like I, I often reference the dad is great chocolate cake, um, dentist bits from, from Bill Cosby, not to mention all of his other number of things. Um, and that he's just one of them. There's also, you know, Louis CK. I, I really loved his work and, uh, Kevin Spacey, you know, a couple of these guys who I admire their work having this struggle, this internal struggle of can I hate what has happened and what they've done and hate the, hate the, um, the person or the people they have become or that they have been. But at the same time, segregate that from my love of their art. Is it, is it okay for me to still find the things that they did funny is it still okay for me to work things, work some of their old stuff into, you know, uh, normal everyday conversations, um, present conversations, all these different things? Where is the line for me to that? Wh- what do you guys think the line is for me in in terms of of what is acceptable um, uh, and what's the appropriate response now to the body of work prior to this stuff having happened? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think so. I th- this is this might be a different a different idea altogether. I think it is, but it, it this is what I think of. I think over the last, I'm gonna throw out maybe 15 years. We'll say I don't know. It, it has become more more of a. Um, it's harder to have your own opinion, and it be okay that you're that your opinion is your opinion. Um, and there's certain people in, in, in just in the way that um, the way that we're all connected now and the freedom of connection and the availability of opinions and thoughts. Um, you hear a lot more opinions that maybe just aren't, aren't right or not um, correct or not politically correct or not uh, kind or whatever. Um, and it it seems to be there's certain times where you're not allowed to have an opinion on something that maybe doesn't matter as as much. I mean, certain opinions, you know, like should not be 
a thing. Like you shouldn't, you know, I, I don't know a good example, but there are cer- certain things are just wrong. And if you, if you have an opinion that that's right, you're wrong because that's just a wrong thing. Um, but there's other things that don't matter. Like I, I don't love, um, I don't know. I don't, there's things I don't love. Luke, you told me tons of things you don't love. I don't know. I can't really think of one. That's like the polarizing idea. What's one thing I don't like. That's polarizing. You guys can tell. Pens. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Good one. No, but I, okay. So like, um, the wizard of Oz, like, meh, whatever. It's fine. I don't love it. Like, there's the there's some people that if you say that, why like you can't say that it's a classic it's it's this it's blah 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 it's that your your opinion is wrong I hate Star wanna, Wars you don't want to oh, say right, that. that idea you can't yeah. say that you don't like Star Wars because it's Star Wars and it, it's become this thing where you're not allowed to like you're not allowed to say what you think because um, it's offensive. Or it, yeah, if if it count if it counters what the popular now back to is. what we're actually talking about, yeah, the separation of this person is a is a monster in their personal life and has done some really terrible stuff, but for a while was America's dad and was hilarious. Like, where is the separation of just appreciating the art and not having to appreciate the artist? Like, because right. honestly. Some of his jokes, they're funny. They're still funny. They still work. Like the the Dennis bits is still funny. It's just the fact that what he did when he wasn't that person or performing on stage um, is that it, it's it's different. Like why? why can't that be different? And I, I think it's the whole idea of he did this bad stuff. We should just boycott everything he does. I don't buy into that. Um, I don't think, I don't think you support him still. And I still think you say, yeah, that was wrong. And you should have consequences for everything you've done. Like I think him going to jail is completely justified and he should be sure because what he did was terrible. Well, getting right. removed from the academy is also completely justified. I mean, it's an honorary membership, and the point of the academy is to, you know, av- advance uh, motion pictures within the world. You, you kind of give up the um, uh, the academy being embroiled in something like this prevents them from being able to accomplish the mission of the academy. So it doesn't sure. make sense sure. to keep in ultra polarizing figures, especially when we're talking about honorary positions. And it's not a statement of who's the best and who's not or a ranking. It's an honorary membership, so now, revoke the. Now I will. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna play the other side of it, and I'm. I'm not saying I fall into any. This is not my stance per se, but like if if that membership is based on the work and not the person, why was he expelled? But it's not based on the work. Is my point. It's based right, on if, people yeah. that right. But it, and, and that's and that's that's what I was trying to get to. It's. It's because he's in the industry, and in his case, it's in both of their cases because they're influential figures. But I'm saying that keeping them in is going to prevent you um, from accomplishing the goal of the organization. So I think removing them is completely the wrong is completely the right move. Now, sure. I just think that as far as separating it, liking one and not liking the other, or whatever. I mean, you know, it's funny. Tom Cruise is a very polarizing figure. And that we're talking about Scientology now. We're also talking about his Oprah interview or his video, uh, the, his Scientology video or whatever that like makes its rounds on the internet every six months. But um, he's someone that that some people just they they can't watch him in films anymore because they just they believe he's a, he's crazy, and so because they believe he's crazy, they're not going to support him and they're not going to watch him. And that and that's. And there's part of me that says that if that's your approach, that it's fine that that's your personal approach. But again, it's not something that should be blanketly applied to everybody. I mean, if we're going to get down to uh, some level of um, moral uh, bar that you have to hit or you're or below that, everything it invalidates everything you've done. That's ridiculous. 
there are plenty of people that have done and said really valuable, constructive things that are morally inept. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't like throw everything out together. Now, now that being said, it's not, it's also not possible that you're just going to be able to filter that out naturally. Whenever I see Louis C.K., I'm going to think immediately about the stories I've read about him. Whenever I see, if I, I see some Bill Cosby, I think it's all probably canceled at this point or, or it's <laughs> probably out of the rotation. But if I see something naturally, I, my, my mind is going to go there. And, and that is a very, very human thing. And that's okay that that's a very human thing. But I would advocate for um, being willing to still accept things that are good, even if the source, again, is morally inept. So I, um, I, I think, okay, so I think that's maybe the, the thing I have a problem with. And problem is not the right word. Here's the thing that make this conversation hard to, to answer definitively, I guess, is the idea of the Cosby show. If we just talk about the Cosby show, the Cosby show is great. It it was, uh, I mean, my kids, I was watching it with my kids. Like we love it. Like I grew up on it. Um, so good. It, I don't know if it's been pulled from Netflix, Netflix or Hulu or wherever it was streaming. Um, if it does, that's saddening. I, I, I guess maybe the reason is because he would still be getting paid off of that, uh, residuals. And, but, but then that has another question of, well, it's still his work. Like, d- why wouldn't he get residuals from that? Or, or what, like what sure. stops? I, I guess it's, it's just the idea of, you did this wrong. You you deserve to be punished for that, but do you deserve to have everything else you've done taken away from you too? I don't think people care as much morally as you're presuming. I think that there is a larger reality of uh, you can just bleep this out. We will get from our fan base if we leave this on our platform. And so we will remove it from our platform. I don't know that there's someone in a room making these like moral judgments. I think they're financial judgments, honestly. And I think that as soon as something has died down enough where there isn't going to be uproar. And if the market is still there, it'll just come back. You know, it's in a lot of these cases, uh, time heals, but people forget. And so uh, the stuff with Kevin Spacey and the stuff with Louis CK and give it a year. Give it two years. I don't even think it'll be that long. And I think these people are going to be very much uh, back in, um, you know, rising back to prominence. People can argue all day whether that's right or wrong. But I think that that is a very obvious sign that this is ultimately at the end of the day driven by audience and driven by money. Sure. It's not a morality call. Yeah. Well, uh, we want to hear what you think about this. Uh, and uh, you, the best way to do that is to join the conversation on our Discord and uh, just let us know. We'll uh, open up a channel just for this, and then we'll burn it when we're done. <laughs> and then it'll just, yeah, it'll all just be trashed. Um, it's a, it's something that I've that I've struggled with. It's a it's a real question, and it sounds like there there's a lot to be considered when when we talk about it. So um, yeah. So anyway, let us know what you think. Go to mf1podcast.com slash family to join the conversation now. Uh, On that note, I think we're going to call this episode done. Um, We talked about a lot of fun stuff. So go to mf1podcast.com to see show notes and links to what all we talked about. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's right here below us. Click on all of that stuff. Um, And there's some games that you can back on Kickstarter. There's some... uh, other things yeah <laughs> that's primarily what we talked about um but uh yeah just check out those links you can find us on social media just search m of one podcast you can support the show uh on patreon go to patreon.com slash m of one podcast throw a couple dollars into the proverbial bucket it helps out so much uh free way to support the show right uh, review <laughs> right <laughs> review <laughs> Okay. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, why are you using an accent now? Too too many words were trying to come out at the same time. Right. Um, write a review. Uh, subscribe. Uh, rate the show. Like. Share. All of those different things. Follow. 
on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just anywhere where you're listening to this, leave a review, leave a rating, give us a follow, give us a share. It's a free way to support the show and lets us know, uh, lets other people know about what we're doing and uh, sharing the wealth is fun. And then another way that you can support the show and also get something in return, go to shop.mf1podcast.com where you can get all sorts of fun swag, uh, including coffee mugs, hats, pins, t-shirts. It's a good time. Uh, And uh, when you do that, we would love uh, for you to share that and show everybody what you are rocking. But on that note, I think we're going to get out of this episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your bats.